Hi, everyone. I'm Mackie Craven, a partner here at OpenView. As a VC firm, we invest in business software companies at the expansion stage and work closely with their teams to help them build large and enduring businesses. This season of Build is dedicated to a topic we've become increasingly passionate about, product-led growth. Each week, I sit down with leaders from PLG companies to find out about what it took to build and scale their businesses, advice they would give their younger selves, and some pretty fun and surprising facts along the way. Now, on with the show. Liant Baisal is the VP of Customer Engagement at Airtable. She explains how the team came to the conclusion that all customer-facing teams should live under one roof, how their structure allows them to better serve customers, and how their mission to empower creators shines through in every aspect of the business. Leon, welcome to Build. We're really excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, for those who don't know, can you just share a little bit about Airtable and what you and the rest of the team are building and bringing to market? Yeah, absolutely. Airtable enables anyone to build their own useful collaborative business applications, whether that's from video production to communications planning, product roadmaps, UX research, and more. It's a very horizontal product. And right now, there are over 90,000 organizations that use Airtable to run many of some of their most important teams and initiatives. But I think the most interesting part of Airtable is our bigger mission, which is to democratize software creation. So right now, it's mostly programmers who can build their own software, and we really want to give that creative power to everyone. Most people experience software as a finished product in a canned and boxed form, rather than as a medium that they can actively shape. So Airtable's mission is to enable everyone in the world to participate in that experience of making, not simply using software. It's certainly inspiring. And I think, you know, more and more people are obviously getting an experience to work with the product in a hands-on way and understand, perhaps viscerally, you know, how that vision can become a reality. You've obviously had, even before Airtable, a really interesting journey in tech at Twitter and a number of other great companies. If you don't mind, I know I'd certainly love to hear in our listeners what a little bit about the journey that ultimately sort of brought you to this place. And we can dive in into what you're doing at Airtable and all of the product-led growth topics. Yeah, happy to share. So I have definitely been attracted to startups for most of my career. I was in the for-profit education space earlier in my career, and I was a 12th employee of a test prep company that grew close to 200 employees by the time that I had left. And then I left to join Twitter when they were really starting to build out the sales organization towards the end of 2010, early 2011, and was the first sales manager hired there. So learned a lot in my time there. I was there for a little over six years. And what I realized at the end of my time at Twitter is that I really missed being a part of a company earlier on that was in that building stage of really setting the tone for the culture and building the teams from the ground up. When I joined Twitter, there were just over 350 employees. And by the time I left, there were 4,500. So I definitely experienced what hypergrowth can be. And I missed those earlier years. So I left to join a very early startup in the AI and messaging space called Assist. And I was hired to really build out the business side of the house. And it was when chatbots were all the rage. And I think what I realized is that it was a little bit too early for me. I was like the fifth or sixth employee and we did scale it to a certain degree. And then when I knew that they were moving towards an acquisition, I was starting to think about what's next. And I actually thought I was going to join a company a little bit at a later stage, just because being at an early stage startup was a pretty intense experience for me for those 18 months that 
I was at Assist. But I had used Airtable a little bit on the product side and definitely knew of the team here and was connected to Howie, our CEO from the previous CEO and a mentor of mine, Dick Costello, the previous CEO of Twitter. And he said, hey, like, don't think about any other companies until you talk to Howie at Airtable. And I started my conversation with Howie saying, like, hey, I love what you're building. I love the product, but I think I need something a little bit later stage. And then I quickly learned about his incredible vision, not just for the product, but for the type of company that he's building. And here I am. So I've been here since the beginning of this year. And one of the things that flows through in how Airtable is building, perhaps, you know, a bit of a different business and a different go-to-market model than many companies that have come before, both in its space and more broadly, is even your title, right? VP Customer Engagement. What does that mean? Yeah, I think that the way that we are organizing ourselves internally is very aligned to showing a ton of customer empathy in every decision that we make. So the customer engagement team encompasses all customer-facing teams within the company. So having every single customer-facing team under the same roof is definitely very, very unique. I think at a lot of other companies, there's a lot of different silos that go on, whether it's between customer success and sales or customer supporting customer success. And having every single team under the same organization really allows us to align our objectives and incentives to really create a seamless customer experience and ensure that we are speaking the same language. Our customer success team is empowered to own the customer relationship throughout their entire journey on Airtable, not to hand it off at certain stages or feel ill-equipped to answer commercial-focused questions. So our CSMs build long-term partnerships with all of our customers. They know the ins and outs of their needs, what problems they are facing in their workflows, and how to make sure that they are truly seeing the value of the product. And from our perspective, it's very important for our customers to have a champion at Airtable that consistently partners with them and is their advocate throughout their entirety of their journey with us. So our customer success team focuses on, yes, adoption, expansion, and retention, but they also work really, really closely with their counterparts on sales to make sure that there's alignment when there is time for a renewal versus having a lot of inefficiencies in terms of you know how those processes can break down in other organizations. And then it's been great to see the support team that is really redefining what great support looks like. They're not just providing responses to thousands of tickets a week, but they really are focused on understanding the why behind the question and empathizing with the customer's motivations. So for me, it has been super eye-opening to have all of customer-facing teams be a part of my organization. I think that we're all learning together and making sure that we're completely aligned with our goals to really provide a unique and ideally amazing customer experience is what the end goal is. That's great. And so was that idea of a customer engagement team or bringing, again, the customer-facing functions, sales, support, success, all under one roof and in one sort of broader organization already in place when you arrived? Or is that something you pulled together? What was that journey like as you entered the company? Yeah, it's been a journey. It wasn't like that when I first started. So I actually came in as the VP of sales. I have definitely overseen both sales and customer success in my past, but was brought in to really head up the sales organization here. And a few weeks in, I did realize that the customer success team and the sales team, they were a little bit siloed. They weren't talking through specific customer challenges. Initially, when they came up, it was kind of like they were working through their own workflows that weren't completely coordinated. 
And I had just asked, you know, how often do you do happy hours together? I was trying to get an understanding of how often the two teams would work closely together and communicate pretty closely. And I saw that separation in my first couple of weeks here. So we started by just honestly, like we did a joint team happy hour. And then we brought the managers of the two teams together on a weekly basis just to talk through different challenges their teams are facing and talk through any kind of overlap with certain customer situations that we were working through. And very soon after that, Howie was talking to me about the importance of making sure that there is that alignment and that I've really kind of opened his eyes to what that could look like just in helping to foster this type of relationship and this type of team dynamic. So we both decided that it would be best for me to take on customer success as well and put together a customer engagement organization. And then over the months after that, it just ended up making the most sense based on where we're at as a company to also have customer support, support operations, as well as a customer experimentation team, all a part of the customer engagement organization well. That's fascinating. And so as you were taking both the way the company was operating when you joined the observations of what that customer and user journey was inside Airtable and then the touch points that they had with individuals at Airtable, what were the design principles that you used to build the customer engagement organization as it's structured today? That's a great question. And I think that there are a few principles that are not just customer engagement focused, but actually, you know, widely felt across the organization. And I think it does come back to the mission of what we are all working towards, which is really empowering creators. So from an external perspective, what that principle means to us is that we have a direct connection to creativity in both our product and our business. So we enable any person in any role in any company, regardless of level, to really build their own custom software. So our platform is an extremely powerful way for anyone, someone within a large organization or an independent artist to realize their vision for a project in software form. And that type of empowerment has impacted many individuals across the board and whether it's accelerating their careers or increasing their influence within an organization. And then from an internal perspective, that ethos of empowering creators is baked into everything that we do internally. So as an example, when we build product features, we're always trying to find ways to empower humans, letting them do more rather than taking agency away. So we're not interested in automating human creativity out of existence. We want to enable human creativity to really flourish. And on the team side, because of our infinite flexible product, we can't make a lot of baseline assumptions that other businesses can. So we need to take a totally different approach to solving that problem and working with our customers. So we really want to encourage our team internally to be as creative and open-ended in their thinking as possible. So that can mean sometimes first equipping people with the right context to approach a problem and make sure that they're innovating on new kinds of solutions. So that's one core principle that is very much felt on the customer engagement team as well as across the company. I think another thing that goes back to the history of Airtable is this idea of simmering and long-term thinking. So we very much believe in making the right decision, not necessarily the expedient one. So we're really lucky to have the type of traction in business that allows us to really take a long-term approach to company and product building. So we're thinking not just about tomorrow, next year, but what kind of impact we 
we can make several decades from now. So we really try to balance that with day-to-day urgency and have that long-term approach in mind. So how I think about it from a customer engagement perspective is that on the sales side, it's not necessarily about going after that short-term revenue win or getting a customer to upgrade to our enterprise offering. It's really about making sure that we are helping every single customer that we work with to really be empowered to help them build their own solution on Airtable. And we've really thought about the org design to make sure that we drive that customer empathy throughout the entire company. And as you were describing the organization initially, right, it was clear from emphasis on empathy. And as you mentioned, having someone at Airtable who's consistently there for an individual user, an individual customer throughout that journey. Does that mean in some sense customer success is a first touch point that someone might have as they're looking to not just engage with the product, but engage with the team, even perhaps before sales or others? Or how have you built that structure and that interaction of engagement such that it feels empathic and is empathic, right, for a customer, but you're also able to bring in the right resources kind of when and as needed? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I honestly think it totally depends. I mean, your first touch point can be with someone on the support team. If you submit a ticket and have a question about a specific product feature, it can be with someone on the sales team. And it can be with someone on the customer success team. The go-to-market team actually started with customer success and not sales. And I actually think that to me, that is a powerful statement and being a part of a company that is truly product-led in terms of growth, right? Like it's about making sure that we're decreasing the time to value that customers get experiencing the product for the first time. And it's not about a specific customer cycle or journey that you absolutely have to go to. And I think that on some levels, sometimes salespeople are doing some type of customer success motions in terms of a workflow consultation or a lunch and learn, and then vice versa. There are times when customer success managers are having a commercial conversation that other companies is not really very common. But I think it's really about making sure that we are centered around what is best for the customer. Look, I think if one zooms out, it makes a huge amount of sense, right? Why design your processes around historical or legacy functional areas as opposed to the needs of your customer, right? Whatever those needs might be. And it's incredibly hard to execute and very few businesses do. But in our experience, and our table certainly on this list, along with Expensify and GitLab and many others, that customer success before sales or as sort of a first principle, whether that means that team or just some of those motions, likens itself to success in a product-led growth business. Yeah, I think that's right. And it is really interesting. I've spoken to many leaders, both on the sales side and the customer success side, as we're navigating through hyper growth. And I think that oftentimes the way that teams are structured is actually not ideal for the customer. And when asked, like, what is the feeling or what is the experience through the customer lens? And they admit to the fact that it's actually not ideal for the customer, but it's what we have to do or it's what industry standard kind of dictates. And I think that that we're really trying to build our organization through that lens of making sure that every decision that we make is what's best for the customer in the end. And I think that that goes to another principle. I was just thinking about all of our company principles and ones that I care a lot about on the customer engagement side, which is humility. I think that having a cultural trait where you're not getting too attached to any one idea, but you're really open and inviting of new ideas and suggestions is absolutely key. And I think that this actually comes from our product philosophy 
philosophy where if you believe that people know how to do their jobs best and are the best equipped to create the unique software they need to realize their ambition and that we are here to empower them, you can't really come to the table assuming that you have all the answers or that you know better than your customer. So that's definitely something that is top of mind in everything that we do. Makes sense. And given right the model that you've set up inside Airtable, sort of to the point of those, you know, the questions which you've heard from others as you've engaged and gone through hypergrowth that, you know, well, it's industry standard, so we do it X, Y, or Z way, even though that's not best for the customer. So you've taken a first principles and customer focused and empathic approach. What are some of the surprises, both things that, you know, perhaps were unexpected benefits that came out of the structure, but also perhaps challenges, right, as you decided to build it and integrate these teams in a much more cohesive way? Yeah, I mean, I think that the challenges are that this doesn't really exist. So there isn't a playbook that we can really take and learn from. So I think with that, of course, there are moments that come up where we do see that there might be confusion around who is owning one element of whatever part of the customer journey that we're working through. And I think that as long as we are setting the right foundation and making sure that all of our team members are set up for success and also openly communicating when something doesn't quite feel right or there is inefficiency to call out. I think it's really about trusting your team to call that stuff out and to make sure that the right folks are aware of it so that we can adjust and constantly iterate. I think that it is going to continue to be an ever-evolving organization. Like I talk a lot about this with my team, but I feel like if the company isn't changing every three to six months where it doesn't feel like a totally new company in those moments, then we're doing something wrong. So I think that in hypergrowth, you have to not only say that you're okay with change, but really lean into it and embrace it. And we need people on board who can truly thrive within that change. So a part of that is also making sure that the right information is escalated at the right times and that we're constantly in this mode of growth and improvement whenever necessary. Makes sense. And if you were speaking to someone who has just joined or is setting up and thinking about the customer-facing functions in a product-led growth company, you know, having gone through so far, again, even just in the first year, but a radical shift in how that org is designed with outstanding results, what advice would you give to that person or what are lessons learned that you've just had so far in doing so? There's so many learning moments that I've had in the past 10 months or so. I think advice that I would give is to make sure that you truly open yourself up to a ton of growth. If you are someone that is set in your ways and you're not really open to continuing to evolve yourself, both professionally and personally, I think it would be much harder to be at a hyper growth company. We are very big on making sure that every single person is set up for success. The team is very empowered to do their jobs extremely effectively and successfully. And a big piece of that is embracing the growth mindset. And I know it's kind of cliche, but I do think it is important to make sure that we are fostering a strong feedback culture and that it's not just something that comes tops down, but it's something that should be peer to peer. It's something that should be shared upwards and downwards and truly all around to make sure that every single person at the company is successful. Because if the team isn't successful, we won't be successful. And I think that for folks that have really embraced that and have been hungry for that feedback are ones that do very well. I also think there are so many 
opportunities for us. Like the green field in front of us feels very real. And at times that can be a bit overwhelming when it feels like there's multiple different fires going on at once. And, you know, which ones are we okay with kind of letting burn for a little while? And which are ones that we really need to focus on? I do think that making sure that people do take the initiative to be solutions oriented. They aren't focused on the problem, but they're focused on trying to figure out what are different solutions and how can we get after it in the right way is is really important. So whether that's showing initiative in a certain process that needs to be improved or showing initiative in a broader company focus area, I think it's definitely important to empower every single person here. And if you were to think back, let's say day one at Airtable, and to go back and give yourself some advice that you almost certainly wouldn't have listened to a year ago, what would that be? I'm a very stubborn person. So I've needed to learn when to let go of certain things. And I think that with that comes impatience at times. And I think advice that I wish I had at the beginning of my time here, which I actually got from several people, but I didn't listen to. So maybe I wouldn't listen to it to answer your question, but hopefully I would, is to really be patient and to take my time. I think that when you see a massive opportunity in front of you and you really want to empower the team around you, I've been building and managing teams for a long time in my career, and I constantly am learning so much from my team members. And I think that to take a step back and to realize, okay, like it's actually really important to take your time in what you're building and be very intentional about how you're building it. And I think that even though we are very intentional at Airtable, and I did spend a few weeks in a listening tour and I'm sure I was trying to gather as much information as possible, I also saw the opportunity and felt like I needed to act pretty quickly on a lot of different things. And it did get to a point where it felt like it was a little bit too much at once. So I would say that would be my advice to take my time. <laughs> It's <laughs> great. I have some of the same tendencies, so I feel you. I think one of the great things that you've been able to do as we've gone through this is really bring some of the design principles and then values of, of the company as a whole to bear and in the context of what you've built out. But for those that are perhaps you know even farther, not necessarily users, et cetera, but like even your parents, like what do your parents think Airtable does? Well, it depends which parent you ask. My dad, I would say he would probably describe it as a spreadsheet that you can adjust and add to in ways that is way more flexible than Excel, because I think that's kind of the world that he comes from. I think my mom would say, go ask your dad, because I don't think she, <laughs> she really understands it or knows how to grok it. But it is my goal to get my mom on your table, because I do think there are a lot of use cases that she could absolutely benefit from, whether it's in different projects that she's managing or family trips that she's planning or whatever the case is. That's pretty reasonable. Look, my mother thinks I'm an investment banker and has no idea what anything in the tech world really is. Funnily enough, my dad actually is an Airtable user. Wow. Yeah. He's an unusual beast. He used to do relational database work in programming back before SQL existed. And actually, he's a musician now. And he was trying to figure out how to organize his life. And he's like, wow, I really wish I had that programmer 25 years ago. It's like, you know, you know, there's something that you can use that will be a little bit simpler. And so he's a pretty avid fan, actually, of the product. I love that. That's great to hear. Well, look, thank you so much for spending a few minutes today with us at Build. It's been a wonderful conversation. Oh, good. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to Build on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite purveyor of podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter 
at OpenView Venture and subscribe to our newsletter that's read by over 100,000 SaaS operators every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Also, while you're there, check out new content daily on our blog. Until next time, 